Good evening. As much as I fuss and cuss and <laughs> raise all kind of saying, I really am privileged to be the co-pastoral director here alongside my friend and sister, Reverend Katie Heisman. And tonight I want to share a message with the residential community, but I'd let, I'm going to let you all listen in on it. I am excited because two of the people who I've journeyed with in ministry are sitting here. Do you know what it's like? It's almost like you've given birth to some people because you went through a healing journey with them and you see them sitting. So thank you for being here. You all are really, really precious to me. Um, pray with me if you would. Kind Father, in the sweet name of Jesus that we pause just to say thank you. Thank you, God, for this time and opportunity. Bless this word that I've done the research on, but God, I ask for a fresh oil, fresh anointing, a redipping, that you might be as joyful as Mabel. This is my prayer in the name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen. If I had to tag a title to this um, message, it would be just be, just be. For the last seven weeks, a cohort of six people from Richmond, from the Richmond Hill community has been participating in a program at the Collaboratory of Virginia at U-Turn called Thrive, where we have been looking at the residential component of our organization, our focus statement, written so wonderfully by our co-pastor, Katie Heisman, says for us to be considered for this program, Katie wrote, at the heart of Richmond Hill is a residential Christian community that maintains a rhythm of work and prayer together, sustaining the hospitality ministry. We hope to discern adjustments to the residential program, for example, how to recruit new residents, have space to envision different models of residential community, and desiring to create a discernment process for new members that is intentional without also being too cumbersome or, deter or a deterrent. We've been fleshing out what a healthy community looks like as a part of our work at Thrive, looking at those places where we are actually thriving, as well as those places where we are challenged. When I looked at our text for this evening, I began to think of a conversation that one of the coaches and mentors shared with us about four weeks ago. He said, you are in one of three phases. You are being, becoming, or being seen as. We've been encouraged to state our bold ambition and to delve into systems thinking and to ponder some potential leverage points in our work, especially as it pertains to the challenges we are trying to solve. Why am I sharing this with you all? Y'all know I like it when you're inquisitive and ask good questions. <laughs> I share this because I believe the elder, the pastor, the apostle, John, writing a letter to Gaius, had a community like Richmond Hill in mind when he wrote this epistle. He described the many phases that we are currently in here. We are what Chris Baird called in three of three phases all at one time. We're being seen as, we're becoming, and there are some instances where we're actually being. 
As I started to unpack the text for tonight, I couldn't help but think we are well on our way to being all of what John prayed for. He wrote, I pray that everything is going well for you and that your body is as healthy as your soul is prosperous. John was writing this to Gaius because of how he had cared for the people who crossed his path. The people who came into his environment, who were often strangers, the people who may be seen soon or may never be seen again. This message is one that I want to simply bless our residents with because we know where we are right now and we know that people come and go that we have seen sometimes, but then we see people who come in as strangers but leave as family. This is one I wanted to bless the residents right now because we have come, we have people who have come before us and then we have people who are, we are waiting in anticipation to arrive. But we must remain focused on the very things that John talked about in this text. His accolades start off in the message translation say, I pray for good fortune in everything you're doing and for your good health that your everyday affairs will prosper as you, even as your soul prospers. I pray that you persist in following the way of truth. He said, I'm most proud when you extend hospitality to Christian brothers and sisters, even when they're strangers, you make the faith visible. A message about your love has been received. John encourages Gaius with a statement. It's good work you're doing, helping these travelers on their way. Hospitality worthy of God himself, you provide meals and a bed, so you become their companions in spreading the truth. Doesn't that sound like Richmond Hill? As I began to unpack further, I connected this message with the, from the epistle with Chris Barrett's statement, and I was excited that we are doing some things right. That's my baby crying, wanting to come up here with her auntie. <laughs> We're doing some things right while recognizing that there are some spaces and instances that growth is um, continually needed. I recognize that as we move from being seen as toward becoming and then being, forgive me, as we move from being seen as to becoming and then being, we still have some things that we need to recognize. One of them came up for me in Philippians 2 and 4 where it says, do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. We can't make our personal agenda the one at the forefront as we take care of God's people. When this text was written, it was John's final epistle. He was nearing the end of his life, a life that had changed dramatically some six decades ago when Jesus had called John and his brother James out from their fishing boat. The boys had left their livelihood and their father Zebedee to follow Jesus. While James was the first of the 12 disciples to die for his faith, John outlived all the others and referred to himself in the gospel as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, if everybody else is dead, you can call yourself the disciple that Jesus loved because there's nobody to refute it. But it's a title that highlights one of the great themes of all of John's biblical contributions, including 3 John, where we see the love of God working itself out in the lives of human beings. I encourage us as a community, Richmond Hill, to check our agendas 
Because when we make this work about us and not about the assignment that God has given us, we risk becoming diatrophies. I admonish you to read the remainder of the chapter because this was a man who was wreaking havoc in the community, coming against what these people were doing. All I'm saying is in the text, not Lisa, that people who are truly serving Lord are doing it for his name's sake and not their own. When no one is really, while no one is really sure when John wrote this text, scholars believe it was from the island of Patmos where John was exiled at the time. He wrote his letter to Gaius, a leader of one of the churches, more or more churches in Asia Minor, and he, he said there's a report of some difficulties caused by a man named Diotrephes, and John wrote to reinforce for Gaius the proper way to deal with these troubles. Lindsay lifted some concerns this morning in our staff meeting, and I want us to pray that God would guide us on how to handle these things and we not take it upon ourselves to handle the things that we need to handle, but do only what the Father is doing. And so Richmond Hill family, especially our residential community, we have to recognize that even in this sacred space that we're blessed to steward, it won't happen without some struggles and difficulties. And sometimes those difficulties are people. But we've got to keep our eyes on, those who, on the one who is able to pull us through all of those struggles and difficulties. And we must remember that we're in this together. While Gaius was dealing with certain troubles in his area, John wanted to direct him not only in how to respond to the trials, but also how to relate to those who proclaim the truth. This epistle is largely concerned with the issue of fellowship with God, with the enemies of the gospel, and with those who proclaim the truth. John wanted to ensure a warm welcome from the churches to those who traveled around preaching the gospel, offering them hospitality and a send-off in a manner worthy of God. I lift this story right here about a couple who was with us two weeks ago. Mary and David came in just for respite, just for a personal retreat. But when they left, they wanted to move in. <laughs> we had to pack them up and send them on. And then I had to stand in the parking lot and literally help Mary get in the car because she would not let go. That's the kind of hospitality I want us to have in this place. That when people come here, that we are so loving and so ridiculously hospitable that people don't want to go home but that they just want to rest in this place. And so I believe that that is our goal as well as these people in 3 John. So how do we, how preacher do we encourage, you encourage us to just be? Y'all ask good questions. I want to offer four movements and I'm going to take my seat. The first one is we must be loving. The text said John greeted Gaius in love. Anything we do without the love of God and for God's people is eventually going to become a task instead of an opportunity. In the Daily Bread devotion for today, the message is, we are better together. There I found a story of a woman named Marie, a single working mother who rarely missed church or Bible study. Each week she would ride the bus to and from church with her five children and help set up with setup and cleanup. 
One Sunday, the pastor told Marie that some church members had donated some gifts for her and her family. One couple provided the family a house with reduced rent. Another couple offered her a job with benefits at their coffee shop. A young man gave her an, an old car he'd rebuilt and promised to serve as her personal mechanic. Marie thanked God for the joy of living in a community devoted to serving God and each other. Though we may not be able to all give as generously as Marie's church family, we are God's people and we are designed to help each other. When we combine our resources, we can work together to help those in need like the first believers in Jesus did. As we grow closer to God and each other, we can care for one another. Witnessing God's love demonstrated through his people's actions can lead others to a saving relationship with Jesus. When we serve others from a place of love with a smile or a kind deed, we may offer a financial gift or a prayer, but whatever it is, nothing is too small when you're taking care of your neighbor. And as God works in and through us, we find we are simply better together. So we must be loving and then we must be truthful. I'm taking a pregnant pause right there. <laughs> we have been blessed with Pam Smith with us to, with, for Pam Smith to be with us for the last three years. I recognize that Pam is a manifestation of this scripture. I highlight Pam because she has brought an awareness to Richmond Hill's truth that had not been told for, for 32 years. And it, for whatever reason, we didn't know a lot about what had happened on this land. And we know that as we pursue racial and spiritual healing in this place, it can't be based on anything but truth. In the eighth chapter of the Gospel of John, it says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I promise you, Brenda, I can't find anywhere else in the, in the whole 66 books of the Bible where it says anything else is going to set us free other than the truth of who God is. Even when it says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. It is still about being centered in Christ. And so we've got to tell the truth as it relates to this place. We're living in a time where the truth is not so positive in some circles. But as in believers in Christ, we have the privilege of bearing the truth in the name of Christ with the full awareness that everyone is not going to be happy about how we are operating because we're walking in truth. But we have to take authority over anything that is attempting to exalt itself against the knowledge of who Christ is. So we must be loving. We must be truthful. But, but we also must be hospitable. Richmond Hill, I think we got this part down. I could just stop right there about the hospitality. We are blessed to see the impact and the outcomes of our hospitality when it is shared in our community. We get phone calls and emails all the time about the experiences that people are having here. But we can't sit on our rusty dusties. My pastor called it, we can't sit on our blessed assurance <laughs> and be happy with that. We've got to find out ways, creative ways and innovative ways to make sure that this is like a wildfire, that we are spreading the good news of what's happening in this place. 
Because the central teaching of this pericope is that we are to show hospitality worthy of, our, to, worthy of God to our guests when they arrive at our doors, whether they're strangers or not. And so when we're walking in truth and showing hospitality, we're giving people a safe place to rest. We must be truthful. We must be loving. We must be hospitable. But we also have to be faithful. This is not a one and done. We are constantly being put to the test as to whether our faith is strong enough to keep us here. We have, no, I'm confessing, it ain't got nothing to do with we. This is me. I have knocked down drag outs all the time because I want us to be committed to the work that has been assigned to our hands. And so I try to encourage, but I encourage to rest as well as work. Because if it's out of balance, one thing or the other is going to suffer. None of what we do is going to last very long or be very impactful if we don't become the incarnational ministry of Jesus. If we don't seek him first and his righteousness, nothing is going to be added unto us. We make faith visible when we are committed to do the work that has been assigned to us. And when we do it without griping or complaining, God shows up and shows off. And we are in awe and we're the ones doing it. This is an area for growth for me because I haven't gotten the don't complain part down straight. Moment of transparency. I am tired. But I'm tired because I'm constantly working. So is Katie. And so we have to be faithful to what we're doing. But this is a plea tonight for everybody in the community to come alongside us, to help us in the faithfulness of this place to do the work of ministry from Richmond Hill. And so I'm not just talking about for me, I'm talking about for our residents. We are low in number and big in in impact and responsibility. So we need as much help as we can possibly get. There is nothing too small that if you say, I don't have but an hour a week, Lisa, I want it. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever you have is what we want. Lisa, I can wash dishes, but I can't vacuum. We want it. Lisa, I can make a bed. We want it. Whatever it is that you have, I am looking for some reprieve for our residents because they are practicing hospitality. They are being faithful. They are standing in truth, and they are loving. And so we invite you to join us however you can with whatever you can. Now, let me just say, if you don't have any time, but you got some money, (laughs) Lindsay will take it. (laughs) I'm being very serious. I'm joking, but I'm being very serious. It takes a lot to keep this place going. And so we want to make sure that you lock hands with ours and we don't do the compare and compete. No gift is too small, and there's certainly not one that we've gotten that's too big. So whatever you have to offer us, we would receive it. We make the faith visible when we are committed to our work. I want you all to know that even while it's tenuous and weighty and often overwhelming, I know that the Lord has his hands on us and on the work that we're doing. 
So I know it will be successful because the scripture told us, and as this started off tonight, in one translation, the scripture said, I pray that you're successful and in good health, even as your soul is prospering. And so we have an opportunity to share in the way of truth if we would just be. We don't have to live in the being seen as stage because we will always be becoming in that phase because we're always looking for a new way, a new opportunity to serve God's people. But our real goal is to be, to be loving, to be truthful, to be hospitable, and to be faithful in our work. I close with this blessing for the entire community, but especially for my sisters and brothers in the residential community. Coming from Psalm 20, where it says, May the Lord answer you when you are in distress. May the name of God of Jacob protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and grant you support from Zion. May he remember all of your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. May he give you the desire of your heart and make all of your plans succeed. May we shout for joy over every one of your victories and lift up our banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all of your requests, Katie. Now this I know, the Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but we at Richmond Hill trust in the name of the Lord. May it be so. Amen.